live from Torpedo Stadium in Jodino, Belarus, it's the Vocal Minority Podcast. Welcome to this week's episode of the Vocal Minority Podcast. The podcast that will always find something to talk about. No, really, we will. Trust us. On this week's show, we talk about Ian Hume's candid chat with One Soccer, discuss cult heroes, bring back wins and losses, that's right, folks, and talk about all things Julian de Guzman. Um, and now to this week's panel. Joining us from the mines, he made it back up. Welcome to Duncan Fletcher. Oh, those Belarusians. So Bella. So Russian. So, so Rush. Mm. Lover of wins and losses. Say hi to Mark Hinckley. Happy 311 episode, guys. Aww. Oh, is that, t- is that today? That's oh, today. Wow. Where, That's... Where, where was the warning? I would have... Oh, because I don't expect anybody to pay attention to something that dumb except me and those that know me like 311. And I know you guys do, but uh, it's fine. It's it's my it's my thing. It's fine. All right. So all right. Every, every bit of music on this is going to be three eleven, isn't it? Yeah. Depending on my level of ambition, the entire the, the entire background might be three eleven. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. How, we'll see how editing goes, guys. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Yes. It'll be a surprise for all of us. It's amazing. Uh, badge of honor host. It's Tony Walsh. This is our three eleven hashtag. Never forget. That's so nice. Way to bring the room down. Uh, as for me, I am thankful for one of the TSN channels running the Ocho for hours at a time. Amazing. Marble Run Olympics absorbed a good chunk of my day. Um, I am your host, Kristen Knowles. Now this week's show. look at but really i guess a, a discussion uh, about ian hume's chat with one soccer the other day and, and one soccer hey, so hold on do, do our uh, benefactors in albania at two soccer know about this uh, I'm they, kind they of can't like... they can't be happy as, about us talking about this one soccer thing i know yeah we I can't know, be promoting but, this but it's ian hume and but we, it's over it, right yeah, like they don't have any they don't have any live soccer to show or anything like no, that. No, no, what I mean is like this isn't we're not promoting something that's about to happen. No, this no, no, already this happened. already happened. It and, happened like 2 days ago. And if we didn't catch it, do we have to watch it on there? You could watch it on YouTube. Perfect. Fuck it, let's do this. YouTube sounds good. <laughs> um anyway, so Ian Hume who is you know, one of those sort of almost iconic Canadian soccer players, uh, has been with the team for a long time, uh, has played in a lot of different places, although never played in Canada, had a fairly, not fairly, a quite honest and candid chat the other day. Um, And 
amongst the things that he talked about was, of course, that game, the 8-1, the game that broke many of us for a very long time, and we're still sort of broken from it. Uh, PTSD is real. With... Sorry? PTSD is real. I, oh, I, seriously real, especially in this. I, I didn't even uh, play on it, and I, I still have after Aftershocks. Well, it's crazy. I, I haven't left my house for weeks. Mm, true. This is true. All related. What I found, yeah. what I found interesting uh, was seeing a couple people online talking about this conversation, but there are people who still haven't watched that game. Which like ever? My, but, like, but ever. they didn't watch it at the time? They didn't they watch it at the since. time. They haven't watched it since. Which just I, blows I mean, my mind. Yeah, but I mean, if you... If like, you these are knew, people who are hardcore Canadian soccer supporters. This isn't like, just like... like I, don't, I don't recall sitting through the whole game, but I do recall watching it. Like, oh, no, I, I know I gave up. I think, I, when it, I think it got to like... Like, after the fourth one, because it was still fairly early, I'm like, this is... I don't... I don't find entertainment in watching the things I love get murdered. So I'm going to just walk away from this and just read about it. And then when I read about it the next day, I was like, what? Eight? What? So I don't blame anybody who didn't sit through the entire massacre because it's hard to watch. And it also, too, to at, watch. at what point do you go, well, it can't get much worse than this. Like, <laughs> like, is it? At right five, about the time do you, keep you order that? like the third shot, you know, like just line them up, barkeep. Thank you. Anyway, um, anyway so uh, there are a couple of people who are like looking, I think, to ask Canada Soccer, uh, can we get a replay of this at least on their YouTube channel since they've been putting some stuff up? But the thing about this, the reason I brought it up, other than the fact that it is still, you know, as much as the Canada Gold Cup win is, is, is the high like this is that's the low for Canada soccer right there is that match um was hearing him talk about the fact that it was the player's fault he's like we he's like we did this this isn't on this isn't on the coach he he kept talking about all the prep he's like we had a first class flight we got flown down early we had you know all the like the best accommodations we had all the equipment we could possibly want. We had. Well, then this know, is the problem. They were never going to be ready for that. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, that would have completely thrown them off they the were, game. They were too pampered. Is that what it yes. was? Yes. <laughs> um, this is this is in Canada. What 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 what's this? But it was it was very interesting to just to hear him talk about it from that you know respect. He had some issues, I guess, with some of the, you know, he said he would have preferred to come on earlier and the game changed when he and another player got subbed in, you know, at the half, but. He's like, he's like, this isn't on the coach. He says, we knew what we had to do and we'd been doing it. And then we walked in there and everyone lost their minds. And this is on the players. And it was just, it was very interesting to hear him very matter of fact, very matter of factly just state this. Um, and, and refreshing again to, to have, you know, uh, not, 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 not to like take, take the blame or take ownership, but just to like come out and be like, yeah, no, we fucked up. We, 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 we fucked up one of the best moments for Canadian men's soccer program, you know? And he says, other than the current crop of, of players, that was the best, that was the best Canadian men's side we'd had. Um, and he's right, like, at the time, like, that was a very, you know, a fairly talented side, right? So, um... Is that really, better really than the 2017? Yeah, I think so. 
you know, that whole, you know, the best midfield in CONCACAF, what have you. I mean, that wasn't really the case anymore in 2012. Uh, Tiba's at least eight years younger. Uh, <laughs> uh, De Guzman's still playing. And, uh, you know, CONCACAF is kind of where he flourishes. There's, there's, there's arguments to be made for lots of different things, but that was a very solid... What a, ter- what a terrible place to flourish. In CONCACAF? <laughs> of all the places in the world you could flourish. Well, Conca you know, Calf. or in La Liga, but, you know, MLS just wasn't his thing. Anyway, uh, am I the only one who ended up watching it, or did everyone else sort of, like, take a look at it? I refuse to watch one soccer. I am a loyal employee of two soccer. I sent you a YouTube link. Oh, I'll check it out later. Thanks, that's, that's great of you. <laughs> uh, I did not watch this, no. Mark? Uh, um... Gonna go three for three on this one. The strong bit. Yeah, no. I, Wait, so I'll just I so couldn't. I'll just talk about it. So that's fine. Uh, the other thing that like he talked about lo- lots of different things, and he's he's an he's a really interesting guy, and uh, talked about playing over you know with the Corral Blasters and that first season and them winning and the the players he was. So he said it was like he said it was crazy being in that league when the quality of uh, the players on other teams uh, that he faced throughout the season but the thing that i think i'm hoping that campiel owners and such or even mls owners but mostly campiel owners at this point in his career uh take note of is is his frustration in not ever playing in canada and not being able to in the in the past work out a deal with mls sides but more recently not being able to come to terms with any campiel team to bring him on board and when he talked about like the season of course they talked about campiel and how important it is and how great it was um you know so you know it was it was obvious there's there's you know there's some good players there's a lot of like good technical players but there was very for most teams very few lead you know you didn't have the veteran leaders which you could see in a lot of clubs where they were just like all right you're here, you've been signed, go play. And that's something that we've talked about just about the Campial in general. But again, it was interesting to see or to hear him, uh, you know, a more veteran player who's watching this from afar, assess the league in that way and be like, hey, like, sign me up, coach. Like, I will help. I will help your players. How Surprise. Can, how v- veteran player suggests veteran player is needed. <laughs> how can anyone who wrong. played... How could anyone who played for Poon City complain about his career? <laughs> I know. The man was he's a he's a veteran of Poon. <sighs> That's every man's dream. Yeah, no, I, I, I wish I had as many appearances for, for Poon that, that, that he had. It's, it's nice. It was only ten, which makes that joke really sad. Um yeah, no, it's uh just based on what it, what reviews and what I've heard, like it's, it is quite refreshing that he could be this candid, but not only that he could be, but that not quite, it was bare. It sounded like it was borderline. No fucks given, which which was, we don't hear a lot of that. No. Like, and I don't even mean like in football. I don't even mean in Canada. Like we don't hear a lot about that in Canadian football, which is a whole clusterfuck of clusterfucks. And even when they get things right, they get it wrong. And, it, like, 
if he thinks that way, there at least, there has to be at least a handful of other people who definitely think this way too. And I don't know what what stage in your career do you get to go on some other network and and have that interview and and be able to speak your mind and be able to be candid. Because I imagine with a lot of players, they come back here and it's like, well, I'm going to get into coaching. Well, you don't want to bite the hand that could potentially feed you in the future so you don't go on on those rants. And I mean, you know. That's that's the thing that was kind of great about it is that it was very matter of fact. Like he wasn't like, these people all suck or this is like, he was just like, this is what I see as an issue. And this is how... I look at it, someone who's, you know, watching this from afar, someone who's been involved, who's played the game for this long. Yeah, and, and it was it wasn't trying to tear things down. And I think I think, yeah, I think what you're saying is is true that players, former players, obviously current players, but especially former players, are often reluctant to sort of speak up about what they see as issues. Um be in, in you know, I guess I guess in fear of you know, future opportunities, but I think it's really necessary when you have, you know, we as outsiders, as, as, as observers and, and, you know, we experience the Canadian, you know, soccer, um, to, we, you know, we have our opinions and we, you know, people tell us things behind the scenes sometimes, but to have someone who's been involved in it for that long and that, um, that integral to the program for a while, it, it, it I just, I think it's great that he did and the, that he feels free to speak. And he's always great on social media too, right? Like he's, he's, he's very interactive. He'll talk to, to fans and stuff like that. So he's one of those people that is like, yeah, if you're going to ask me a question, I'm going to give you an answer. Let's go. And, and not in a malicious way, just like, well, it's got to be said. So might as well say it, which I really appreciate. The, um, the part about his uh, inability to uh, hook up with an MLS club is it's pretty curious considering, I mean, I'm thinking of where his career was when TFC was having a knack of signing anyone slightly Canadian and good. It's, I wonder what the situation was, whether it was him locked into a contract or him maybe wanting more money than they were willing to offer or, you know, any number of things. It it seems, I, I always wondered at the time when TFC was, you know, having their really, bad years and they were signing the likes of Gianluca Zavarese, you know, just to bring in Canadians. Ooh. Like, yeah. Like I, I was wondering why Hume was never on. Maybe he was just in that perfectly bad spot where he was making a bit too much money and where his career was at a point where he didn't, I know coming over here was like That's somehow, kind of what I not assume. perfect. Yeah. Somehow making like 300,000, 400,000 yeah. bucks uh, playing for Preston and, yeah, and it's like, why would we pay four hundred thousand for a guy who's, and there's no disrespect, only at Preston? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I, there has, I think, there's got to be a bit of a, like that, like you said, the sweet spot because, there. I mean, there's been, a, there's been a handful of players, Can, and Canadian players who are like in that situation where, you know, now would be a good time for them to make the jump to to MLS, you know, play play it air quotes at home, but maybe you're just making enough money being in the second division of Germany, you know, like whatever the, whatever the situation is, like you can't, you can't blame them because like, I mean, it would be nice to play at home, but would you, would you take a, 
you know, 40% pay cut to accomplish that. It's yeah. And also well, too, what, like the, in a salary cap league, like they're, they're not going to splash money out on, on, on a guy like this. Like, I, so yeah, I get both sides. I totally mm-hmm. understand both mm-hmm. sides. I think that um, it, it seemed very much more along the lines of they weren't necessarily reaching out and maybe his agent at the time wasn't doing the same, wasn't doing enough due diligence. Um, but I think it was more along the lines of, Hey, I'm here. I'm right here. Anyone? Bueller? Yeah. Well, I, I, okay. I think when you look at his career and like, it, I guess it was like end of 2014 when he kind of was ending with Preston and then was going out on loan to places like Doncaster and Fleetwood and stuff. And that got into like 2014. That's when TFC kind of, you know, had turned the Moved ownership. On. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So they were probably, he wasn't kind of fitting into their future outlook, but yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I think it, it probably was just like a really, like we've said a couple of times, just the, the, the worst of sweet spots of where, timing. yeah. Yeah. Cause we've, we've, we've more than once, you know, we've talked about how is Ian Hume not playing in Canada yeah. at somewhere, you know, like at either one of the MLS clubs, even as like a bench guy, mm-hmm. certainly once Campiel came around, it's like, does this not seem perfect? Is well, this I mean, exactly you know, what you want. 36 now. I mean, maybe you could squeeze out some kind of like Wayne Rooney esque kind of, you know, player, man, player coach role somewhere. But I mean, apart from that, really, I mean, I mean his knowledge of, and, and, you know, to pass on the younger players and all the things he said would be probably very valuable to a club, but he's not going to come and be tear tear up the league as a 36 year old no, no, striker. Oh no, he's... not at all. And, and, you know, he's had, he's had his injuries the last couple of years as well. So that hasn't helped. Is he, so he, he could be somebody's Marcel de Jong is what you're saying. Ooh, yeah. Exactly. Ooh, how, Has he officially you? retired? No. Okay. I, 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 I think if a Campiel team, called him tomorrow and said, Hey Ian, let's work something out. He would do it. Cause he's, I'm sorry. I'm, just, I'm on his wiki. Uh, 36. He's 36 yeah, years he's old. 37 he this did, fall. He did play a la- He did play last year. He got 10, 10 appearances with legend Poon <laughs> city. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, even if he were to go play in the, you know, the Indian super league and then come back, like, I think their season's about wrapping up anyway, but like if, if that were the case, Corona notwithstanding, um, like 10 games, you could still play a full season, but, uh, yeah, that's a lot. I mean, hopefully there's one last day in the sun and hopefully it's, it's in the camp. I would just like to see him show up in a, I don't even care what shirt, just to him show up and go, holy shit. Ian Hume is playing at a club in Canada. That would be. And then it's, and that's I'd be kind in it for nostalgia, yeah. strictly yeah, nostalgia, for sure. exactly. and and I and I, I want that's part of the thing I kind of want out of the KMPL. Like I don't expect everybody to go get aging Canadian player playing abroad no. for one last season, but Hume would definitely be one of those players I would like to be able to say, uh, you know, he showed up here in a York Nine uniform, he showed up here in a Halifax uniform. I don't care what shirt it is, I really don't. Just I would like to see, I would like to see him playing for a part-time schedule. I don't care what the situation yeah, is Agreed. here. Well, if you didn't, for those of you who haven't had a chance to watch this yet, go to YouTube, find it. Um, it's well worth uh, an hour of your time. 
and uh, yeah, definitely give it a give it a give it a listen, give it a watch. An hour. I'm busier than ever right now. I, I don't have time for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I guess yeah, you know, with commuting time cut down, people don't have all this extra listening time. for every MLS club. So on the weekend, uh, a few days back, uh, I was interviewed briefly uh, for a piece on MLS cult heroes. And I had to choose a player. Now, if you haven't read the piece, uh, one of the, 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 you know, the parameters for this were not the best player, not the one who scores all the goals, um, not the one who lifts the team up. So this is, but just someone you associate with your club and uh, Duncan, I did think of the Chad, of course, and it did. And you didn't choose him and because. And I didn't choose him because I needed to give you something to argue about. No, just kidding. Um, I went back and forth on it, and I just. You must have chosen someone really good then. Yeah, you'd think. No, well, well no, 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 she it said it. Have no, to be a really didn't. good player. No, no, but someone who means like you know a lot to. Toronto fans for many years, obviously. Yeah, no, this, obviously this has for to be... many, many years. Uh-huh. Yeah, like who's uh-huh. been with the club for so long. Now. Yeah, I chose, I chose, I chose Terry Dunfield. Um, no, no, but really, but really, yeah. who did you choose? I really chose Terry Dunfield, and if you clicked on the link that I put in the rundown, you would all know that. Um, I did, and and what a nerd! I just, yeah, just, that's fine. What a and it's, fucking nerd. You know, my first um, thought, of course, is always Danny DiCchio, but Danny DiCchio seemed far too obvious. Yeah, he's on the news. Yeah. yeah. But, and he gets, I mentioned him in my, in my response, and that was, um, and I actually did mention Chad Barrett, but that got left out of the very brief paragraph. Oh, 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 Convenient. I know, it's not working well for me. Um, like, yeah. Would you like a transcript of my conversation with the author <laughs> of this piece, Duncan? Mm, um, I think so. so sure, no, I'll, although, and I like, get yeah. why Dunfield is maybe a somewhat controversial choice. Someone said, um, "Why didn't you choose Drew Moore?" And I was like, "Well, mm. well, no, I wouldn't have done that either." <laughs> you know? Like, okay. So who would you have chosen then? Uh, I had the biggest um, problem. Duncan, I had, Chad Barrett. The problem I had with with coming up with now. Also, in addition to the whole didn't score all the goals, really puts a damper on it because Toronto never had a lot of players who A, were good, B, were liked, and C, stuck around long enough to be a hero of any kind of cult. Mm. Like, I wanted to say Carl Robinson, but I always had to argue with Carl Robinson's playing ability with many people so right his play uh, wait a minute so his playing ability is below terry dunfield <laughs> no not at all that's no that's the thing but like you, you holding midfielders are someone you often have to defend in terms of their quality or in terms of what they mean to a team like but obviously me, yeah but... but i 
anyway, I could have said Rabo. Would you? Would that have been a better choice? Yes. yes. Right. <laughs> also, Ben Washeru would have been a exactly. better choice. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, ben Washeru is so talented, though. And so that doesn't mean he, a talent. Doesn't he could be a cult you. hero and talented. Yeah, sorry. If it was, he was, if he it was, was never the superstar. If it was, if it was shit. Okay. I mean, you're you're warm. Um, no, oh, sorry. come on. No, Deathfield wasn't shit for TSC. He wasn't shit. Like, okay, so like he played. To, so, he actually played quite well for them that to, year. To so. to me, to me, I kind of felt like you know, Dero would have made a good cult hero. Except I know half of the people in this thing would be upset. <laughs> um, uh, Barrett. I, Barrett and Gilberto are kind of in the same yes like, Gilberto I guys, I, guys I fucking love who tried their ass off and weren't quite but they were but they weren't but they were oh that's um, called hero yeah that's pretty much it like Sheru same guy like I, I feel like young with, Nana with the exception of his his absolutely uh, killer season the cult guy will be when this is all said and done Jonathan Osorio but until then, um, yeah, it was that was tough. All right, so each of you, who is your definitive choice then? Sheru is mine. Yeah, Sheru is a very good call, but I, I have to uh, stick with Chad. Oh God, okay. it, yeah, I'm, I'm actually I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with like, Roberto. I will not only only to add, yes, Mahak. only to add flavor to it, but at the same time too, like I have in my list, Barrett, Gilberto, and Sheru. In addition, but to, are, sorry, are, uh, just because it just because it is on the nose, is Danny Dicchio really unfair to say though? Like, no, geez, like, no, you're right. Like you're right. I think I know I it's think, on the and, nose, like, and it's so like obvious. I went for here. us being in the epicenter, it's so it's, on the it's, nose. It's, it's, it's on the it is on the nose, but like I think I think that might be where the interesting part of that piece was supposed to go. It's like, hey, let's let's shine a light on the people that don't know outside of the mm-hmm. inner, inner sanctums of each club. I mean, let's be honest, that, that fucking list was kind of cringy in a lot of ways, seeing teams... Well, Jacob Peterson was on it. Jake, I fuck know, I know. Jacob Peterson <laughs> and fuck the Sporks. I, know. I mean, honest um, to God. Like, Mike McGee was perfect for the fire. McGee, sure. Beckerman, uh, that Sounders guy, De La Garza, Jewsbury. I, I, I quibbled with Beckerman as a choice. I'm like, Beckerman, a cult hero? Really? But he's like, been there forever. Not like the, yeah, yeah, but he but was like an also, all-star. Like, yeah, he's, like multiple times, he's played for the you know he's. I think if you're, I think you're like the mascot for fuck's I think if you're an MLS yeah, all star, you, you're you you don't make the list. Fair. Well, then that disqualifies a lot of the names on that list. At one point in time. I don't know. The, was, the, 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 you said the main thing I enjoyed about this list was the guy they got to pick the one for Montreal, like Aaron Papanik. Fairly certain I've seen him in TFC <laughs> gear or in York you mean Nine York gear. Nine season ticket holder. Yeah. Yeah, Could you not find was... anyone in Montreal? Yeah, anyone? I know. that was funny. Well, uh, that entertained it, me. It yeah. was in English. True. Vrai. Mm. Um, no, but like seeing Cincinnati cult hero. Like, come on. Like, like <laughs> LA, LAFC cult hero. It's like that's not even long enough to start. Who is who is who is that? Who is Nashville's? <laughs> 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 um, whoever the, whoever the do, draft pick was, who got, everyone showed up their house. Um, who's the other? I, I like. I kind of felt like out of just reading all the descriptions that again I didn't write down his name. The guy, the Sounders guy, that is to me the definitive. You know, 
good to, to Brad Evans. Boy done well, like the guy who wouldn't give up. He he played on he played on the A League Sounders, USL Sounders before they mm. made the jump, and they said you're never going to be good enough. And he still kept getting picked and or still kept making the team and still kept going. It's like fuck, that's exactly who I would be behind. Like. Yeah, like he was yeah. here when this team was in a different division, in a crappier stadium, in a with a different badge, and he's still here. And I fucking love that. Like, if any one of those Toronto Lynx players made it to the U, made it to MLS, sure. I probably would have like, you know what? I'm, I would have him on that list. Or if any one of the academy kids from from the first couple years stuck around and actually had a career that you could set your watch to, I would probably have one of them on the list. I mean, should Ashton Morgan be on this list? Hey. Yeah, mm. he was there for a long yeah, time. Oh, that's, yeah. that's good. Did some that's, good things yeah, without good. ever really being. Oh, yeah, this was, guy's just straight up good player. Did he ever a full enough season for you to go? Oh, yeah, that's. Just, hey, look, we've seen Ashton Morgan play eight games in a row. Like that almost never happened. Uh, no, no, in the <laughs> earlier years, actually, it did. Right? Probably twenty twelve. Oh, played, maybe. Yeah. Oh, the dark pine. Or, or Aaron Pinter, you know? Yeah. Yes. They, fair. They, that's lots fair. Lots of crosses into into Danny Cooperman. So. Yes. And Maximusinov, no shout for him. He punched horses for fuck's sake. Exactly. <laughs> if that's not a, if so that's not a cult, what is? <laughs> you, you, you mentioned Donny Kuvermans. Yeah. Donny fucking Kuvermans. Oh, yeah. man. No. If, if he just stayed healthy for that last year, oh, God, he yeah. would have been a legend. Never met him. It would have been amazing. Hero. Yeah. Probably the worst oh. cult hero in the world. Oh, my God. Wouldn't it be the best? <laughs> the guy who called the team out is the fucking cult hero. Uh, yeah. I would absolutely have that altar to him. It's like, you yeah. still... You still called them shit while you were with the team, and you stuck around to score ba- bags of goals. Oh, there is always going to be, you know, a place at my dinner table for you, sir. Please mm-hmm. bring your family. I'll provide Catan. We'll do this up. Any Max trade Arruti. you want to do, I will trade for it. And a sort of anti-cult hero, Max Arruti. Max Arruti. <laughs> uh, anyway, what right, we can so... all agree on is no one would have picked Terry Dunfield. Except. He, he probably would have been in my top five. Sure. No, no, no I, I, because I've asked others about this other than you lot since then, and <gasps> Dunfield was a response I got from multiple people. So, I res, I respect that you didn't ask us because this was a much better segment because of it. Oh, I was never going to ask you ahead of time. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Even wild. though, the, even though the show's that's name that's... was put out there as a, you know. It's like you well, were talking on behalf of the show. It is It is Kristen's podcast. Yeah, true. I forget you know that. This. I'm still happy mm. we're here. Kristen's gag of a podcast. Mm-hmm. Stop it. Harsh. Hey, we're, we're on. We're, I'm trying to get us. We're just clones. Yes. Yes, that's totally what it is. Hey, we're back on MLS's list of podcasts again this year. And I'm trying to get us clicks, guys. Last so. man standing. Clap, 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 clap. on the show something that we haven't had on the show for oh a year or more <laughs> it's been a while 
Um, and I hope you guys enjoy uh, this very special episode of Wins and Losses. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Wins and Losses is back on the Vocal Minority Podcast. Um, and here to tell you all about the week that was in blank league is your intrepid host, Mark Hinckley. Mark? Thank you, Kristen. You're welcome. It's a comeback. Gross. <laughs> Round two of the Belarusian Vaisheshya Liga. Vaisheshya. Whatever. That Liga gave every game at least a goal. So there were no clear snoozers on the weekend. But we got a Capital City Derby on Saturday. And so early in the schedule. Truly a gift from the footballing gods. I love a Derby. Yep. Oh, Looking that. forward to that all week. Oh, yeah. So we'll start off on Friday. On Saturday too, which is proper. So, well, you know this this spread the entire weekend. So we'll start it off on Friday as Torpedo Bellas. Oh, smutak chlopchikow. Ooh, who were they then? What does that mean? Oh, they're the sadness boys. Oh. Welcome, Belshina. Irjavaye hmm. Klinky. What does that mean? Uh, the rusty blades. Ooh. 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 Dangerous. Like Sheffield United, but dangerous. <laughs> mm-hmm. They'll give you a tetanus. Yes. <laughs> and welcome they did with a 50th minute strike from defender Valerie Gorbachev. Gorbachev got a, his high boot to a ball that was not quite cleared by the Belshina keeper and left that floating ball loose to be capitalized upon. Torpedo come away with the 1-0 victory. Valeri Gorbachev, uh, he's the, the Diego Valeri of the Belarusian League. Yes. For the, yeah. the, the nicknaming Diego. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought, and I'm so surprised Anton Novik didn't get into the match. I mean, you know, but what are you gonna do? Mm. That guy's he's he's like the he's the Liam Fraser of uh, Belshina. Oh. oh. Yeah. It's it's harsh. You know, I feel bad for the kid. Yeah. Mm. Also on Friday we had energetic BGU. Oh, uh, also known as Potnia Mushini. The, sweat, the sweaty man. Ooh. <laughs> and and they were visiting Rook Breast. Miley Nauki. What's that again? The I can't Robins. wait for this one. Oh. Uh, that's actually, that's actually really less fun. Uh, a late first half goal from the visitors potted by 19-year-old Dano Morishnikov getting the side of his skull on a lovely floater from a corner to go low post, and it's his first ever professional goal for the defender. Oh, that's so nice. Oh, he's their Nick Haglund. He, yeah, yeah, he's their hmm. uh, Slammin' Salmon. I don't know. Salmons are probably native. But anyway. Whatever. Yeah, what's, what's a Belarusian he, fish? He's the flipping kipper. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> now there's a scarf I can get behind. Mm. Energetic BGU manager Boris Gibb had this to say. Uh, that's Professor Boris Gibb to you. Sorry, pardon me. Thank Prof- you. At, uh, Let me try it again. You. Let me try it again. Mm, uh, please. Energetic BGU manager Professor Boris Gibb had this to say. Gather around, students. Well, you can tell by the way I use my voice. I'm a one-club man. No shock they are. Two games played, two games won. Top of the league with six whole points. Now it's all right. It's okay. But you should look at the other way. We're still shite, so we try, avoid a relegation fight. We're energetic, all that matters is staying alive, staying alive. Rook rest breaking, Belshina shaking, staying alive, staying alive. Ha, 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 staying alive, staying alive. Ha, ha, 
ha, ha, staying alive. <laughs> you just don't get these kind of quotes on MLS wins and losses. <laughs> you really don't. I mean, I just hope we get to go back to this co- guy the, every the, week. The coaches are uh, on. Uh, oh yeah, the, the media scrums league, are way right? more open in in the Belarusian league. Yeah. yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, Saturday had four games on the docket, starting first with Slutsk. Chistia Britvi. What does that mean? The clean shavers. Against uh, Dinamo Brest. Gentlemen. Polskiaish Stampi. Oh, Oh, and that is? The Polish punchers. Oh. Oh. (laughs) They're on the border. That's that's controversial. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. I didn't uh, write it. No, but they actually mm-hmm. are like on the border. So mm-hmm. it's, it wasn't a metaphor. It's a geographic fact. Yeah. Uh, Dinamo Brest win this uh, 1-0. Lone goal from uh, Grandpa Artem Milevsky. He's, he's 35. Oh, yeah. Uh, in the 19th minute. And at this rate, he's bound to bag 15 goals, which would be a market improvement from his four of last year. Seven yellow cards, but no reds, as the defending champions walk away at the three points from Slutsk. Four goals for Milevsky. You you're always going to expect more than that. Come on, everybody oh knows this guy. He's he's better than that. Yeah, I I, I have to agree. I mean, he he had a bit of you know. He's he's the Chris Wondolowski of the Belarusian league. Oh, I, yes, that is true. And that, yes, he's getting on, but he should still is good for fifteen goals, twenty goals maybe. He's such a watch, this guy. Yeah. Uh, next up, uh, we have uh, Slavia. Giaiki. Varanya. Ooh, can't wait. Who are they? Oh, they're the poached eggs. Ooh. Delicious. Uh, I bet t- their logo is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, taking on the Giants, Bate Borisov. Parad Marshalov. Ooh, what's that? The Parade Marshals. Ooh. <laughs> Very I've organized. Yeah, yeah. Chad, Doniel, great fucking centre-back partnership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And while Giants they may be, Giants they were not. Oh. Uh, William oh. Thor Williamson, local boy, obviously. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, yeah. sounds, he sounds Nordic. Uh, he's from Belarus. Kind of, yeah, he's from, he's from north uh, uh, Belarus, uh, near uh, Reykjavik. Um, oh, that's one of the best uh, Belaruses. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's superior to all mm. other, uh, other Belaruses. Uh, anyway, Williamson opened the account for the visitors in the 10th minute with a lovely step over and leaving his marker and then potting it far right corner. But that was never going to hold to Slavia at home. Not a chance, as Nikita Melnikov bagged two poached goals to oh. seal the victory oh. for the home I side. see what you did there. Yeah. The eggs <laughs> poached. Yeah. yeah, see, it's it's not just a name. It's not just a gimmick, it's a name. It's, it's, it's a lifestyle? It's a lifestyle. It's even better. So the brace puts Melnikov in a tie for the golden boot race at two goals, because that's those are the two, with five other players, and and it actually equals his goal-scoring tally from last season. So things are looking up for the 23-year-old. So he's, he's the Belarusian Javier Martina. <laughs> <laughs> this is all he's going to get. Uh, I'm more optimistic than that, but yes. <laughs> uh, so next up was the Minsk Derby, and it was Ooh. no letdown. Ooh. A thriller as Minsk... Kurad. Oh. Who? Kurad. Right, but what does that mean? City. Oh. <clears throat> All right. Well, Welcome. Yeah. Welcome their neighbors, Dinamo Minsk. Tia Yakia Primushayuts Machi Plakats. Oh, this should be good. What is that? 
the ones who make your mother cry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> Bastards. <laughs> Uh, I welcome them to Stadion FK Minsk. Uh, the home side, Vanilla Minsk, raced to a 3-0 lead at half, uh, oh. starting with a first-minute floater that the keeper couldn't get his hands on. Two minutes before halftime, two more, or a few minutes before halftime, uh, two more goals were scored. So cue the comeback, right? Sure, I guess. I mean, it certainly would have been easier if Gorpevsek didn't rack up two yellows in the span of 14 goddamn minutes. With a pile of other yellow cards, giving up a 77th minute penalty uh, converted by Shikava in the 80th minute. Uh, His shot hips from... don't lie. Oh, yeah. It's true. Uh, shot, uh, 80th minute shot from inside Shinari's the 18 yard box player. by Bakar, right around the keeper, and that was all. 3 2. Not even five minutes worth of injury time shenanigans, and they were brutal. Like the diving was mm. exceptional. Uh, could convince I love, the ref to I, I love the old. I love the old firm cheese derby. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, it was. It was. It was pretty good. Um, hey, yo. Come on, we're gonna. You know this is gonna happen. Uh, so three points uh, to uh, the home side, and apologies, Duncan. No appearance from Dom Dinga. Never got off the bench. <laughs> I think oh. that that's that, that is a shame. Yeah. Everyone loves dingas. Oh fuck! I'm all about the dingas. Ooh. Uh, uh, next week, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, certainly, certainly. Uh, last match on Saturday had Shakhtar. Stryachny Bratucher. What does that mean? The cousin touchers. <laughs> oh. What? Fucking provincial now you're just sides. Now you making shit up. Uh, Wiki, I don't think Wikipedia lies. Uh, stealing all the points in a 2-0, with a 2-0 uh, victory over the home side, Gorodea. Konidoraje. Which is? The horse milkers. <laughs> <laughs> Who thinks to milk a horse? Who? Gordeo. Um, goals from uh, Diasamidze and uh, Pastrelov uh, to, to, to round it up for the... Uh, Fucking Pastrelov again? Yeah. Yeah, I know. He's so I, I had him in fantasy league this week. And, I dropped uh, him. Mm. Uh, Unlucky, Tony. I know. Gordeo, man. They are, they are not... They're predicted to get the drop real, like, mm, I thought that was a lock, though. Uh, so that wraps up Saturday. Sunday, two more games. Islock. Sherry e Sherry. Came away. Oh, go on. What does that mean? Sorry, my bad. The gray and grays. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's drab. It's <laughs> unfortunate. Belarus. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Islock came away with a 1-0 over the visitors. Uh. Smolavici, STI. Danos Chiki. Yes. The Informers. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with uh, Yansane. Snow's favorite team. It's true. Uh, Yansane with an 88th minute looping goal from 20 yards out. It's actually quite a nice little bit of uh, skill there from the. Uh, yeah. Yeah, very nice goal. And to be fair, it was always going to be a, a long shot that beats them. Because, you know, this this STI team, you do not want to be playing around inside the box with them. Licky boom boom down. Don't do that. No, Jesus. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, last game in the slate, uh, home side, Nimin Grodno. Katschke. Mm. Ooh. Quick. The, Go on. The stags. <laughs> like Mansfield. Mm-hmm. Delightful. Uh, they easily took care of the visitors... Uh, Vitebsk. Piara Slidniki Imrantkau. Ooh. 
and the immigrant chasers. Oh, wow. No, that's uh, just wrong. Fuck those guys. Yeah, it's pretty Belarus. much. Belarus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 sad how commonplace that is. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. So uh, uh, Neman Grodno took care of uh, Vitebsk uh, to the tune of two nil. Uh, good news, Duncan. Go uh, on. Julio Cesar, the Ooh. other one, got sixty four minutes in before uh, subbing off. <laughs> is is he going uh, to be off playing for Brazil soon? I- so is that a thing for him as well? I would be impressed if they know that's who he is and where he's playing. <laughs> okay. I mean, you know, it's it's a it's a it's an outpost. Yeah. He was wearing he was wearing a tiny towel that belonged to the team goat. <laughs> uh, what a bastard! And the 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 main result here from all of this um, COVID nineteen Belarus twenty. <laughs> yeah. They they took it on. They won. You've got to say that it's a very aggressive approach. It's reckless, you might say. It's going to leave a lot of time, a lot of space for for COVID to uh, to uh, attack them later. So I think that might get turned around later. I think. I think. We'll see. There's some there were some brilliant wide shots of the of like the stands. Not that the stand, not that the stadiums are huge to begin with, but you'll just see two people with like a eight seat radius around them and then there's another <laughs> two people with an eight seat radius. like it's just it, it was it was like a it was like a sad light bright is what it looked like it's just like oh there's a couple just dotted here and there it's pretty good hey uh, it's an old it's an old cliche but the ball is round and so true. is the coronavirus also true mm. also true so that leaves vanilla minsk islock torpedo and energetic bgu all with spotless records at the top Bate, Gordea, Dinamo Minsk, and Belshina adrift at the bottom of zero points, but it's only been two weeks. Looking forward to the marquee matchup at the top of the table with undefeated Energetic BGU host Vanilla Minsk. Should be a banger. Uh, that's <laughs> all for this week in Winds of Losses. God, I love the internet. Back to you, Kristen. Thanks, Duncan. I'll make you a white Russian. <laughs> this week's show although this is by no means going to be quick sorry folks uh it's time for a little it could be nope um (laughs) we just did 15 minutes on the uh, on the belarusian league i don't know yeah that was fucking that that what you know what that was that was urals gold is what that was (laughs) yes that was belarusian gold yes Uh, today's tfc talk is focused on one single player from toronto fc's history this is a topic request from one of our Patreon patrons, our friend Ruchesco. Hello. So here we go. Um, we are going to talk about all things Julian de Guzman. So other than being the world's best bail bondsman, sorry, that was Julian B. Guzman. Uh, de Guzman was the... I've never seen him in the same room. <laughs> First Canadian to play in La Liga for Deportivo. Um, it was a very big deal at the time. He was very successful uh, in his time there. He was a mainstay in the middle for Canada's national team for over a decade and is still the cap leader for the men's team. Uh, and he, But 
maybe best known as Toronto FC's first ever designated player, as well, of course, as being the man that knocked uh, out uh, June Marquez Davidson with a single blow. Oh, yes. That's that's yeah. that's his career highlight here, yeah, for it sure. Is, that's, that's, shot. It was. Like, the the violence exhibited, uh, I still, you know, shook the stadium, I think, to and, its core. And also, don't forget his full name is Julian Bobby de Guzman. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> that's truth. <laughs> um, and then he ultimately uh, finished his playing career with the Ottawa the now defunct Ottawa Fury before becoming uh, their coach and manager. Uh, we'll talk about that in a bit. One of the questions that Ruchesco wanted an answer to was what is the origin of de Guzman? And uh, well, if you ever watched uh Toronto FC match with Julian de Guzman or really anything else, but certainly Toronto FC, uh, well-known, at least for us, for those ever-so-inaccurate shots that just went skying far over the net. Those poor cars in the parking lot. Right? 30 bucks to get nailed by one of those fucking <laughs> if he had, free kicks? Jesus. If he had played in the uh, MLS Cup playoff years when they built that extra stand, there would have been a massacre. <laughs> <laughs> that thing would have collapsed. <laughs> He'd have knocked about three or four people over the back. Oh, I, I think the whole oh, thing God, would have been... a lawsuit yeah. waiting to happen. Oh, yeah. There. It would have been structurally... Uh, Maud Flanders know. style. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Here, T-shirt, T-shirt. Uh, yeah, I don't remember exactly when that uh, you know, first happened often enough to be noticeable and to become a thing. But, uh, yeah, I still enjoy that every now and again. Well, and I, I, what I enjoy more is that it's just morphed into any shot that does that. And it's from not any just player. Us, yes. any from player. any player. Either, either side. Yeah. It's not just us that does it. It's, man, it's, it's, it's morphed into, you know, uh, other parts. Other people do it now as well. We see it online stuff, which I, I, I quite enjoy. Um, so there. All right. So Degu's had a controversial time with Toronto FC. Kind. Um, and, Up and down. You know, there's, well, there's, it's, there's a, there's, you know, most people either love him or hate him. There is a middle ground for some. It was, you know, he was the, he was the first designated player. It was a big deal. Um, he took a potload of money to come over here and managed and convinced Mista to come with him. Yay. Um, and, you know, could have stayed in Spain you know, had had opportunities there, but to hear him tell it, of course, he wanted to come play in his hometown, blah, 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 be part of what was happening here. And, um, and I'm sure there's, there's both, you know, money talks, but also desire to play in your home country, be around your family, that sort of thing. That can't be a terrible thing. Um, and so there was a certain amount of excitement because he was a fairly, again, he was a fairly well-known player, uh, was being successful in La Liga and was well respected there and was you know fun to watch an interesting guy and then came here and didn't it was so weird to watch him play and this is something that you know we've talked about so many times but struggled often struggled in the MLS games 
But when they were in CCL, it was a whole different de Guzman. And it was, it was so, it was so frustrating sometimes to watch him and, and see the difference in his game, um, depending on where they were playing. But I think the other part was that, you know, he was a designated player who was not signed to score goals. And a lot of people didn't fully understand that at the time and thought, oh, we're paying all this money for this guy. He doesn't score any fucking goals. What's going on? And I think that was a lot of the problem. What do you guys think? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was it, it was a misguided choice by a club that was absolutely without direction at the time. Like, yeah, let's just go get the biggest name in Canadian soccer. This will fill the seats. You know, people will love that we got the, the big Canadian. I mean, other than... I, I guess you could argue, you know, D-Row was North American famous, probably, of the Canadian team. But you could argue De Guzman was the biggest name, I guess, at the time, Canada-wise. Yeah. I, I thought uh, that I, DP contract should have gone to D-Row as well, really, a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the second part of it, really. But, like, you know, that was a club that was absolutely floundering, had no idea, weren't signing guys because necessarily because they were right for the team. They were, they were because there was no plan of how to build this team. It was the never-ending five-year plan, as we used to joke at the time. Yes. And they brought in a guy who, yeah, to like you mentioned, to fans for more fans who weren't really in tune with what his role would be, would be like, yeah, it was like, oh yes, pay millions. This guy's going to come in and turn things around with all his goal scoring. He's coming from Spain. It's going to be good. But you know, they brought in a, a holding midfielder, very you know, a technically sound holding midfielder. And played a tactic which barely got him the ball on the deck. You know, most of the time he was watching it sky over his head from the defenders up to the front. So his impact was limited when he did. You know, there was possibly pressure on him to do more offensively than he would have been asked for, you know, on a good team. And then, as Duncan mentioned, yeah, then the knock-on effect of angering your most potent player who happened to also be his, you know, peer on the Canadian national team. And so it just went from bad to worse. And that's not necessarily his fault. He signed a deal to join a team, you know. You can't fault him for taking the money. You can't fault him for wanting to come home. Uh, but, like, it was the wrong it was the wrong move on both sides, really, probably. I'm, his career, you know, stuttered at that point, And Toronto C was still a shit show. Yeah. And I mean, you're obviously the Dero thing, but I mean, Dickio as well. Was it, mm-hmm. Basically, Dickio had to retire because we yeah. red on airplanes to make room on the squad for for the Guzman. So. Sure, yeah. And then, yeah, basically, he was just in teams that were constantly different. It was like oh, Chris Cummins, now Precky, now mm-hmm. Aaron Vinter, now Paul Mariner, and yeah, you know, a little bit of time during I think Aaron Vinter's time there after Torsten Frings had come along. It's like oh. Okay, now he actually looks quite good, but generally, yeah, it just didn't work out. Yeah, I, I, I would uh, agree with almost all sentiments spoken. Um, I, I never fully understood the reason. I mean, if you're going for name brand recognition, air quotes, uh, at the time, sure, I guess, but um, him as a defensive midfielder, as a designated player, that really wasn't a, a I didn't feel that that was a problem that needed to be solved. Any journeyman could have done his job in most games. I would agree that most, any journeyman could have done his job in some cases better. Um, I, I don't blame him for taking the money. Absolutely not. Um, 
he was out of contract at Deportivo. Uh, they were not going to pay him that money if he re- re-upped. Um, I don't know if any team in Spain or in Europe was going to pay him that money if he were to go there. I know he was their player, you know, player of the year, but that was two or three years after like his contract had ended after that, like it, it, some time had elapsed and I believe Deport got demoted that year. Um, so like, like it was, it was the, it was the perfect move for him to make, to get, to get paid, to still feel relevant, to still feel like a big shot to heroes. Welcome. It, it just, the only thing that was wrong was the, the, the team he inherited and they, and nothing did him any favors. That side did him no favors. He didn't do himself very many favors either. Um, you know, when you're, when you're with a team that's, you know, shall we say a little more culturally seasoned as far as how to play the game, that's not intended to fully disrespect MLS players, but let's be honest, uh, a middling MLS, uh, La Liga side would be technically more gifted than an a middling MLS side. So when you have got better players to pass to, you obviously look better. And, and I think calling TFC middling is being kind. That's, that's I was going to say, that was very kind of you, Matt. Very, no, but, but I mean, they were shit. And so yes. like, if he, if he couldn't improve a shit side, they were never going to get better. And I mean, that's also kind of the fallacy of MLS and the way that's structured, but that's, that's a, that's a topic for a completely other day. Um, so, I, I, I do kind of, I did kind of laugh when he, when he left, um, mostly because I can't believe they found somebody to take him. And, Aww. and, and, and I mean, it was my FC Dallas. Mm-hmm. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. Thank you. He didn't do terribly there. He didn't do terribly there, no. but it's not like they rushed to resign him to a DP deal because he really nope. wasn't at the caliber of DP even when he got here. His resume was, but he wasn't. Um, so yeah, I, I've, I don't hold a lot of great fond memories of him. And, and I kind of felt he was, he was here a, at least a season too long, if not longer, but, oh, well. Yeah. That about sums it up. I had high hopes when it came, but didn't work out. Oh, well. That's about it. I think, yeah, I, I, yeah, I wish it had gone better. Uh, the, the hate that Paul Mariner had for him was quite clear. Um, you know, and he had that, he had the knee surgery and stuff too, which, you know, nobody knew really that he was playing injured that one season. So that affected things, but yeah, I, it, it should have gone better. There was no way really that it was going to go better. I, for me, I just hold dear the, the CONCACAF matches in the CCL. And he, he was at least, you know, that was one of the things that was going well for TFC. Nothing else was, but they were having a lot of fun in, in CCL tournament play. And you got to really enjoy what Julian de Guzman could do on a pitch during those matches. Um, yeah. So, I never hated him. I, I don't. I think love him is probably too high a rating, but you know, more on the love side of meh for me in terms of his time with TFC. Um, but one of the best things about Julian de Guzman's time with TFC is, of course, Club Escobar. And while the best thing about the Club Escobar incident all these many years ago 
is, of course, the mug shots of the three and Asaval trying to make a run for it, which is still the funniest thing ever. Uh, what doesn't get mentioned nearly enough is that, you know, to Guzman, it's the one who bailed them out. Sorry, sorry, his alter ego, Julian B. Guzman. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just, I love that part of the story so very much. You know? Not all heroes wear capes. Mm-hmm. They drive, they drive they, Lambos. They drive, they drive Orange Lambos. Lambos. Orange yeah. stamp. Yes. And at that uh, point, you know, presumably TFC had two or three players that were earning millions that could have bailed them out. Why did it have to, you know, fall into uh, Mr. Guzman? Mr. B. Guzman. He was probably team, ca- yes. he was probably team captain at the time. Yeah. 2012? No. Really? Like Frings and. He was definitely uh, the richest. Frings wasn't there at that time. <laughs> Was he? He 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 might have yes, been injured was. at that point, but he oh. definitely would, would have been there in he was definitely there, early yeah. mid twenty twelve. Surely yeah, he had the most, surely he had the most was... money though. Probably. Probably. Look, the the only thing the only thing I keep taking away from, from this whole anecdote is that it's not considered one of the twi- 25 wildest stories in MLS history. Well that's just uh, that was just, just that was a scam. That was yes. poor journalism. Yeah. Poor yeah. journalism. This is this was such a shit decision, Sam, day school, <laughs> that uh, I'm bringing it back. That's how fucking terrible it was. Um, <laughs> did we mention the layers? And Julian B. Guzman was just one very important facet. It is the greatest. Layer. It is the greatest single story in MLS capers. Yeah. Full it's stop. So yeah. It's try, so try, try to come close. Yeah. You could take well, all 25 the, the, the of them and compile it to one story. story. It wouldn't be as good. Yeah, the Pricky Vodka story. story. Yeah, I'll give that. I'll give it number two. That's yeah, that's, that's a solid that's two. But this, nobody, good. nobody got arrested. Yeah, <laughs> nobody got bailed out. Nobody tried to outrun a cop. Yeah, <laughs> no one with like zero chance of outrunning a cop tried to outrun a cop. Yeah, and never have there been three mugshots that were so different. You know, there's Luis Silva, fucking terrified. Oh no, <laughs> what if I done? Nick Sulzma just kind of like stunned. Oh no, what's my girlfriend gonna say? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Don't tell my girlfriend. And then Alcival's shit eating grin, which will live yeah, on. Been so. there, done that. Yeah. What? You think this is something? What? I'll just have a nap. Wait for Julian to come get us. You know? Um, it was so great. Uh, and then, yeah, his time with TFC ended uh, mid 2012 season when he was. Uh, Shipped off by Paul Mariner to Mark Hinckley's FC Dallas. Yeah. Uh, to to what was it? Burn in the sun or or yeah. Bur- die in the heat or go down there and burn in the sun. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was. Which is just like so encapsulating of the classless era that TFC was going through. Oh yeah, it was amazing. It's just yeah. amazing. And got back, of course. You know, best manager of the modern era, Andrew Wiedemann. Mm-hmm. Uh, but. Watching interviews with uh, De Guzman after that, like while he's in Dallas, where he, you know, doesn't hold a lot back and kind of rips a couple strips off the club. Oh, it's nice to be with a, a club that knows what they're doing and to be in a good environment. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't hold a lot back in that one, uh, that one clip I sent you guys. And it was kind of like, yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong at all. Um, and then I so much enjoy the part about, well, we'll see who's in the playoffs and who's in last part of it. <laughs> Fuck you, Paul. Which I think a lot of us 
have thought. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's just some Canadian guy. Of course he's going to be all bitchy and moany and what have you. <laughs> of you know, course, Canadians yeah, exactly. can't, can't trust him. Mm. <laughs> True. So the end of... Uh, the end of de Guzman's career. Yes, he, he finally came back, uh, was signed by Ottawa when they were signing all of the Canadians um, and played with them, you know, for, for a few years. Uh, was it three years, two years? And uh, I think that that was, you know, and that was a cool thing. Like that was neat on Ottawa Fury's part in terms of what they were doing with bringing back, oh, it was only two years, I apologize, uh, bring back uh, a lot of Canadian players trying to do something good with that. And then he transitioned into their, you know, he was an assistant coach and then he was the coach and then he was coach slash general manager um, until, of course, it all blew up. And part of that uh, was keeping Ottawa out of the Premier League, or at least so we've heard, uh, that Julian was one of the reasons that Ottawa did not join the new league. Um, which I, I would thought... still love to hear the reasons and how that all went down. That yeah, kind so of baffles I. me as to why he would have an issue with it. But yeah, yeah, it's it's every 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 everything I've had whispered to me from various people, you know, behind the scenes has been. This is definitely, you know, Julian driven. He really does not. He's the one who torpedoed this and is like, wow, why? Like, you're a Canadian player that didn't have a Canadian league to play in. And wouldn't you want this? And and all the backing, you know, the the bending over backward that the league was willing to do for that. Yeah, to this to this day, it's 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 confusing. And um, if you watched the final press conference, um of the Ottawa Fury, and there was de Guzman in tears. Oh, he was so sad. It's just, it's a, it's a disappointing end. And and I'm I'm sure he'll crop up somewhere coaching again, but I won't be in, if it's in the Campial, it will be like a decade down the road. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there are, he's burned so many bridges with the new league. He's going to have to go pretty much yeah. anywhere but here but, to well, be involved time, in time heal time heals though and there's so much anecdotal stories about that and like he was an employee don't forget he still had someone telling him what to do mm-hmm. sure so it, it's probably too easy just to say that julian de guzman former player drove this club's decision of where to go no i don't i don't i don't believe that i mean he didn't do himself any favors, but Agreed. his boss did not want in on this. Mm-hmm. And even after the league clearly made concessions, making exceptional concessions that the other seven clubs did not have at their disposal, but agreed to, to let them in. And they still said, yeah, you know what? No. What? You, okay. I don't like, I will never understand. And, and I don't know if that's because, um, like given how much money they got for the license for that for for the USL side, I I wonder if they just didn't have a buyer ready. But uh, the fact that they 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 snubbed their nose at it, where they would basically could. I mean, honestly, I thought Ottawa was stockpiling Canadian talent so that for when this, this league yeah, happened, so they would just shift laterally and dominate. And I was 
okay for it, I and I was I here for it. I was here for that, yeah. And, I was I was very surprised. And I well. thought, fuck, that is that is a high level pro fucking move. Good for them. And then when they said no, I'm like, I'm confused. What are you doing? So yeah, I think the, he the was Canadians just, would have dominated USL, and that was clearly the plan. Yeah, that mm. that worked. Mm. So uh, I don't like I. I think I think he I don't think he's gonna have to wait you know ten fifteen years to make to to for him to pop up on a KPL side but clearly it won't be you know in the next season or two um, just because that wound is still a little fresh let let's get let's get uh, Atleti, Atleti uh, off the ground and get some games under their belt and maybe he shows up as a scout or a technical director or a youth coach it doesn't matter he'll he'll be back and he'll be there it's just he kind of burned whatever future he had by doubling down on what his boss said yeah i mean sure you have to take responsibility of of uh you know what you put out to the world but i mean it's kind of sad if he was being the good soldier for his employer and was the most publicly burned of it because he was the face We'll probably never know fully. There's, there's not a lot of love for the ownership either. Like, no, and and we know the stories. Been... We heard all the stories yeah. at that time. How they were even trying to sink the, you know, they were they were like tanking the club. Like, yeah. Why why he was so gung ho to follow that path? I don't know. Who knows? We'll may never know where his reasoning lied. But it's to say that he was the driving force seems. Eh, I I have a hard time buying that he would tell any millionaire, you know, what they were allowed to do with their franchise or where it should go. Yeah. At that point, he'd been in the game long enough to know the politics, the ins and outs, what the money was like. He, 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 he certainly didn't, he certainly didn't make the, the reaction knee jerk. I'm, I'm sure being in USL was better for his own bottom line, not to Guzman, but was it, what, mm-hmm. what was his name? The owner for Ottawa. Can't oh, remember the guy who ran it. It hasn't been yeah, that, that long, wanker. and I've already forgotten. That wanker. Fuck him. Um, like, Young Hunt. Uh, Young Hunt. Yes. <laughs> I, that, his new album drops next week. Yeah, and It's yeah. going to be fire. But anyway. Um, mm. Yeah, like, like I, the, the owner was clearly in for his own self-interest, as every owner typically is. Um, Gowdy. And and I, I just... Gowdy? I, 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 the I, artist? The architect? Him too. Mark Gowdy, president and CEO of OSEG. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What a renaissance man. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, as far so, uh, like, obviously he, he had his own motivations, whatever they may be. Um, I'll, I'll never fully understand them. So, you know, everybody can lie in their own filth and too bad. So. <laughs> All know, right. Well, that Atleti. is. That is our in, 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 intensive look at the life and times of Julian B. Guzman. Um, we'll leave him lying in his own filth. <laughs> mm. You know what? He was. Uh, you know, he's always good. He's always good for a story, right? So, um, you know, it was as bad as it was with TFC. Uh, I enjoyed watching him play a few times, and I always like watching him play with Canada. Um, and hopefully, he does. Hopefully, he does crop back up somewhere within Canadian soccer because I think you need um, 
I think you need that. I think you need the players who are really dedicated to the game to 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 stay with the game and and pass that on to younger players. So you know, hopefully something happens for him uh, not too far into the future. All right. Well, that is our show for this week. No, really, there's nothing left to talk about. Uh, so join us next week as we get into some old school TFC. Maybe we'll have some wins and losses. Who knows? And let us know what you'd like us to discuss. Um, that last, you know, that last discussion was uh, based on a patron request. Uh, silly or serious, you know, what do you want to hear? And, um, you know, if it's something current, if it's something old school, you know, the bad days, the good days, whichever, let us know. Uh, I have been joined by the entire Vocal Minority podcast panel for this week's show. So out there on the Twitterverse, at FC, Mr. Tony Walsh. Hello. Goodbye. On uh, the Twitterverse as well, at Duncan D. Fletcher, Mr. Duncan Fletcher. Tony stole my bit. This is why I should go first. I, I never get to go first. That's why I did it. <laughs> it's true. He, he never does go first. Anyway, hello. Been there, done that. Uh, yes. Um, out there on the tweet machine at Kidder Mark with a K, not a Q, Mr. Mark Kinkley. I will treasure this 311 episode forever. Stay positive and live your life. Aww. Aww. Uh, he's so, he's so, he's so, such a perfect. Yeah. Um, Thank you, Mark. You can find me on the internet, yes, the entire internet, at KZ Knowles. I've been your host, Kristen Knowles. And until next week, Canada, get used to it. Canada? Woof. Dude, I've been saying that for like a year and a half. Really? Yeah. I've only been on like three shows. That's true. I was going to say, pay attention. some other clubs. A-League. Only on 2Soccer. Catch the taste.